Oh, women, how amazing has this been? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And how crazy that we are at the last session already. Uh, I know. Did I hear someone say no? I know. I feel that way. I have a tear. I'm very sad we live so far from you all, too. All of us Ottawa crew is like, why do we live so many provinces away? Terrible. It's terrible. But I just want to say, honestly, Chelsea, opening up tonight, that was astounding. Just astounding the testimony and the level of faith that is here. And I just want to say, even last night as we went back to the hotel, we were just saying, even to um, just the team, that it really is a shovel in the ground of new breaking ground of what's happening right now. And a new level of faith. This is going to be a pivotal weekend as you look back through this year that you are going to recognize that things have changed, whether in your own life, in this church, in this city, believing for harvest, believing for salvations. And I just want to say, who here is first generation Christian, like has had an in, right now is in this room, that perhaps you're the first generation that you've given your life to Jesus and you're pursuing? I want you to stand. These, I want these women to stand. I just want to speak over your life, women. Right now, that song was talking about barrenness. And it's not just physical barrenness. Sometimes when we come into our first relationship with Christ, we are the first generation. I want to speak over your lives today. Women, if you would just stretch your hands out towards these women, I want to declare over each of you, right now, each of you powerful, that the Lord God has changed your hearts. And this is what it says. It will change the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart, soul, and that they may live. The Lord God will do this. And I just want to speak that over you in Deuteronomy that God has changed your lives to change your descendants, not just even biologically in the house, in the city where you work, you will be fruitful. And so we bless you. We bless you first generations that are plowing the ground and we speak fruitfulness into your life in the name of Jesus. We love you. We are with you. We are praying for you. And we are so excited what God's gonna do in your lives in Jesus' name. Amen. I just wanna speak to you, women, powerful women. And I just feel there's one more word before I get into my message. As we were speaking with Baroness, there is someone here, you don't have to raise your hand, it's very personal, but has been believing for a baby and has really been so discouraged that it has not happened or is not going to happen. I want to tell you this is your year. So for some of you here, there might be someone here that's listening to this that's like, I don't even believe, I, I believe this time next year you're going to have a baby. So uh, if you are believing that in faith, tell someone privately, agree in prayer if you want to come up at the front for prayer, we'd love to pray for you, but I believe this time next year you'll have a baby. And I'm just believing that. That's a promise of God. We just say that. In Jesus' name, bless you and may you be fruitful and multiply. In Jesus' name, and always. Well, I got to preach, so I could just keep going here and just start calling everyone out here, but I just love this. But this has been amazing because we are talking about dry bones coming to life. And this is a message that this whole weekend has kind of come around, this invitation to come. And I love how it was brought up today, that as the invitation is to come, but it's God who brings us a life, just alive because his spirit gives life. So I'm going to bring you into a little bit of history lesson. I don't want to assume that everyone knows about Ezekiel. Okay. I'm going to talk about Ezekiel today, and he is someone I want to introduce you to because Ezekiel experienced life in such a profound way. Now, a little Bible lesson is Ezekiel was a priest who lived in Jerusalem, 
And the entire book of the Old Testament was dedicated to the visions and the, just the mission that God put him on. And he had an incredible, credible visions and messages for Israel. He was devoted to God and was constantly urging Israel to repent, to turn from their sins and to come back to God. And his ministry lasted around 20 years in Israel. Now, due to Israel's rebellion and sin, Jerusalem was attacked by the Babylonians. And this was something that God had warned them would happen. So... They refused to listen. They refused to obey. The cities attacked and demolished, just like God had warned them. Now, the Babylonians did not only destroy Jerusalem, they take a whole bunch of them with them as prisoners. And Ezekiel the priest was one of them. Now, the book of Ezekiel begins five years after this capture. Now, that's a long time five years of being a prisoner. And sometimes when we read the Bible, and myself included, you could read from verse to verse or chapter to chapter, verse to whatever it may be, and realize there was big pauses in between what just happened. Long seasons, long wait times, five years. Think of your life. Five years can feel like a really long time. So here Ezekiel is, and he is in a hopeless state. And as a side note, this is just personal. This is just a Rhonda note, okay? This is not in the Bible. But I wonder, you know, here he had spent so much time pouring into Israel, telling them, repent, turn back to God. He's calling you. The bad things are going to happen. you got to listen to what God's telling you. And they don't. And he's doing this over and over and proclaiming this message to them. It all happens, what he's been warning them about. It happens. They get brought into captivity. And guess what? Ezekiel gets lugged into it with them. He's suffering alongside of them. I wonder if he was a little bit like ticked. Like, come on, you guys. Why am I here with you? Anyways, but here he is. Here he is five years later, and he's sitting on the bank, and it's near his refugee camp. And to top it all off, and this is in the Bible, it's around his 30th birthday. Now, around this time was really significant for Ezekiel. And the reason being, this would have been around the time that he would have been installed as a priest into the temple. So I'm sure this is super sad for Ezekiel. He's in a foreign land, destitute, hopeless, all dreams are dead. And guess what? God shows up. God shows up because women, he wants to be known. God shows up when we least expect it. He often comes in unexpected ways, in unexpected, unexpected times, through unexpected people in unexpected places. And now this begins the start of visions that God gives to Ezekiel to reveal his plan and his glory. Now, Ezekiel is met here by God in Babylon, which is the most unlikely place for God to show up because that's a really wicked spot. But God is showing Ezekiel here that he has gone with them and is with them now. And although Israel is facing dire consequences to their sin, idolatry, and rebellion, they're walking through physical judgment, but God is right here showing them that he has a hope and a future and will restore them. So throughout the book of Ezekiel, God's messages and visions are revealed. But as we round chapter 34, God reveals a vision of hope that he has in store for them and how his spirit is going to bring new life. And this sets up a chapter that I personally absolutely love. Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. Can I just share something really cool that happened to us at Heart Conference in Ottawa? 
So on our last, on our last session, we had Kayla, pastor, well, Kayla is our children's pastor, who you saw up here with me um, for the Freedom Session. Pastor Kayla had this idea probably a couple weeks before the Heart Conference to say, you know what, I really feel that we should have a spontaneous, a week before, one, Lori's making this go, one week before, okay, one week before, that we were going to have a spontaneous baptism. Just open up the tank, not tell anybody, but fill up a tank in a side room and say, listen, during that service, we're just going to let the women know if they want to spontaneously be baptized, come alive, that we are believing for baptisms. And so we're just following that whisper and saying, okay, God, we're just going to trust you. We didn't advertise it. And that night, um, it was the last session, we open up and Kayla comes up and shares the word. I mean, it's electric. God is just moving. And 37 women and youth got up and got baptized spontaneously. I mean... I know, and I'm telling you this story because this is so cool. I mean, you should have seen that room. It was awesome. They were sharing wet leggings, okay? We ran out of clothes. It was amazing. Wet leggings, but we had everything prepared as much as possible. But honestly, I think Lori and Caleb believe for 37. We were like, if we get 10, no, 37, faith, the gift of faith. So anyway, 37, but isn't it so cool? Didn't even put this together. It went on, these spontaneous baptisms during worship, and we just let the night go, and it was so profound what God did. What a beautiful example of coming alive. That is ultimate. The next day I'm at church, and one of the ladies came up to me and said, Pastor Anna, did you not realize that you were speaking on Ezekiel 37, and 37 women got baptized? I know. Isn't that so God? I just had to share that because I was like, oh, Lord, that's so awesome. That's like so God, spontaneous. I love when God does that. When you don't put the connection together and someone tells you, you're like, oh, God, you're awesome. I just love that. Well, anyway, here we go. Let's pick back up. Okay, I I digress. Here we go. Um, Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel has an incredible prophetic vision. Now, he sees a valley full of bones. And I mean, it's not a literal valley of bones. He's seeing a vision and it's symbolic that these dry bones are representing what Israel's state is in due to their great sin. And they're in exile. So here he sees them, the bones, representing the spiritual death, the emotional death, and the physical death of these Israelites. Israel's only hope is that God would supernaturally perform a miracle. God is going to show Ezekiel how he is going to do this through the vision of what he is going to do spiritually in their lives. Because God is going to do an extraordinary miracle and they are actually going to see a new act of creation. In this destitute time, God is about to show Ezekiel that he is going to spiritually remake humans where they can truly live in a relationship of love and intimacy with him and with one another. Now, the Valley of Bones was truly a valley of death. The bones were in the midst of a valley. And the Bible speaks of valleys as being deserted, dark, and depressed areas. And these bones were in a deep, dark, deserted valley. And the floor of the valley was so dense with human bones that it is described as being full. I mean, Ezekiel sees bones all around and even notes that they were many. And not just many. It was a valley full of dry, dry bones. Now these bones are not only dead. They've been dead a long, long time. So dead, they were all dried up. When something's been dead for so long, we do lose hope that it could ever live again. And some of us have maybe been in that season or are in that season presently that something feels dead for so long that we have lost faith that it could even live again. 
Well, the, the bones in the valley in Ezekiel have been washed by the rains, bleached by the sun, and they're baked and very dry. And you know what's even worse? On top of that, you think it gets more worse? It does. It gets worse. They're scattered all over the place, scattered, all the bones. It's as hopeless as it gets. So Ezekiel stands here. He's looking at this impossible sight, a dreary valley full of lifeless bones, and his heart must have dropped. Why did God place him here in this valley? Now, this would not have been the vision I would have wanted, but this is where Ezekiel found himself. God had taken Ezekiel to a place of impossibility, and he allowed Ezekiel to partner to see what God was going to do ahead of time by seeing this impossible situation and to observe it. So he sees this valley, dead scattered bones, and I know he was probably thinking, well, maybe he wasn't, but I would be thinking, why am I here? There is no hope in this valley. God, what are you going to do? Ezekiel at this time had a divine appointment. Don't you love when God shows up in those divine appointments when you least expect? I love that. At this exact moment with God, he was going to do something that would defy all human reasoning. The valley of dry bones is going to teach us that there is no place too hard for God to revive when he is in it. I'm going to say that again. There is no place too hard for God to revive when he is in it. Now God tells Ezekiel what to do. Only God can raise these bones and only God had the solution. But he invites Ezekiel to be a part of this miracle. And he asks Ezekiel to be obedient to his command. So on the surface, the vision that God gives Ezekiel does not make sense. And as Ezekiel stands and looks on, God begins to speak to him and asks Ezekiel this question. Can these bones live? No one hopes that scattered, detached bones could live. But amazingly, Ezekiel responds to God's questions and says this. Oh God, you know. That's great faith, isn't it? If I'm looking at a valley of dry bones all over the place and God's like, can these live? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't think so. But Ezekiel rises to the moment and says, oh God, you alone know. Ezekiel had no hope in the bones, but he did have hope in God. How could Ezekiel expect, yeah, someone put their hands together. Come on, yeah, come on. He did have hope in God. How could Ezekiel expect something great to happen when no life was in sight? It was because he had faith that God is in control of every situation. And this is to encourage you. God is in control of your situation, no matter how dark, difficult, or impossible it may seem. Do we assume what God cannot do or do we believe what God can do? Do we assume what God cannot do or do we believe what God can do? And Chelsea, I brought you up at the very beginning of this message. I'm going to say it again. You inspire us with that. You are believing what God can do and you are taking him at his word. And so as women here, we speak yes and amen. May you live a long life and see good days. And we speak to that uh, healing over your body in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes. In the valley of dry bones. You see, a faith that totally depends upon God begins to expect something great from God. Because God is the God of the impossible. God is the God of the impossible. But that miracle starts inside of us. 
There may be some of you that are praying for family members, friends to get right with God. Perhaps you're praying for healing, for restoration, and the situation doesn't look good right now. And you may be thinking, this looks impossible. And the devil will continue to lie to you. He will steal your joy and try to steal your faith by telling you it cannot be done. They'll never be, they'll never be saved. You'll never be healed. That person will never be healed. The relationship will never be restored. They're too dry. The, area, the heart is too hard. The situation is impossible. I want to make a note here. This is really amazing. Ready? When God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? God, when he does the asking, it means he's about to do something. When God does the asking, it means he's about to do something. Your faith must rise to expect something great from God and trust the way he does what he does. It's both and. Our faith rises to trust that God can do the impossible and we need to build trust that God is going to do what he's gonna do, how he's gonna do it. Just because God doesn't do something the way you wanted it does not mean that God is not working or doing something supernatural. When we surrender to God, we surrender to his way, his will, and his word. He does the speaking, we do the surrendering. He carries the weight so we can bring the worship. He works the supernatural and we need to choose to see his work. Not just fix our minds on what needs to happen when and how. And that can be tough, can it? The weight can be hard. However, Ezekiel did not presume to know what God wanted to do with these bones. But Ezekiel was confident that God knew. He was confident that God knew. How confident are you today to know that God knows what and how to handle your situation? May you be encouraged that he loves you women. He loves you intimately. He is for you and is walking with you. And he knows best how to guide and lead you. God tells us he's going to do something. When he tells us he's going to do something, he'll do it. That's what he does. God created the world out of nothing. And the word that comes to us and the faith that comes to us is a gift from God. And he gives it. So receive that today, that faith today. Receive it. If you feel even today, I don't have enough faith to even believe for that, say, God, help me in my unbelief and may you stir up fresh faith in me. I receive that today. I receive it right now. So even just pull from heaven. Say, I receive that, God. Come on. Yeah, I'm making you move today. I'm not going to make it everyone kind of, yeah, there we go. I receive that from heaven, that fresh gift of faith, God, because it is supernatural. That's where the miracle starts inside of us, that faith. So Ezekiel goes on. He proclaims the words of, that God tells him, and it was this. Dry bones, hear ye the word of the Lord. And God is about to do something. I mean, he's prophesying to these bones and God's telling him to do it. That's exciting. Now, prophecy in Hebrew is neva, which means to speak or sing under divine inspiration. And prophecy can have two purposes. It can foretell the present and it can foretell the future. Now, foretelling is to speak the truth of God for today for the purpose of edification, exhortation, encouragement, alignment, and comfort. And foretelling is predictive and describes something that will happen in the future. So here, God foretells, prophesies what will happen. Now, in the previous verse, Ezekiel leaves a matter with God. However, God gives him something to do. 
God invites us to be part of what he's doing. There is an invitation for you to respond. And you know, isn't that so beautiful that God chooses to do it with us? Because God wants that intimacy with us. He loves us seeing him work in the excitement together. He brings us into that process because it is God's heart that you would know his heart for you. And that's why God brings you right into the process. There is power in the spoken word in the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I mean, if you're in a situation and you don't want to pray, pray the Scripture. Well, it's always pray the Scripture. It is the most powerful when we speak the Word of God. There is power in the spoken Word of God. So Ezekiel's told to prophesy to these bones, these dead, destitute, and scattered bones. He's in the midst, he doesn't know it yet, of an amazing revival that's about to happen. So Ezekiel obeys and he prophesies these bones. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And I prophesy over all of you today. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. God promises to fill these bones with breath. He promises to bring flesh upon these bones and cover them with skin. God will make the once dry and dead bones live again. And this is the work of revival, something that's completely dead coming to life. Now, I want to just note here that this was God's declaration. This was the power of the word and breath of God. So God tells Ezekiel that his spirit is coming to bring his people back to life. The bones would never come alive by themselves. And as the word is proclaimed over them, they come to life. And this is amazing as we continue to read, for life is marked by breath. God's breath would cause these bones to live again. Now the ancient Hebrew word for breath is ruach, which combines breath and spirit as the same. God was giving his ruach, his very spirit, his very life-giving breath, Let's sit on that for a minute. For in the Old and New Testament, the words breath, wind, and spirit are interchangeable. But here in this scripture, the word breath refers to the very divine breath of God. So as Ezekiel continues to prophesy to these bones, there was a noise among the bones. I mean, there was a godly disturbance. This is amazing. A godly disturbance. There was a great rattling. And I love how Ezekiel draws the attention to the shaking and the rattling. I mean, this is an epic scene. As he continues, the bones begin to assemble into skeleton. When God moves, there is no way for these bones to sit still. When God moves, the bones cannot help but move. When God restores, he puts everything together in the right order and aligned. I love that we spoke about that this morning. I love that. The skeletons come together and they're covered with sinews and flesh. Now it is a choice to watch, to see what God is doing in the process. Ezekiel had the privilege to watch all of this happening. Don't miss what God is doing in the process. God works this process for after the bones and skeletons come together, muscles and tissues come on the bones. They look like they were alive, but what were they missing? Breath. They're all put together, but they're missing breath. There was no breath in them. They needed breath to come to life. So first there's a rattling of the bones. Then the aligning and the assembling of the skeletons. 
than the covering of sinews, flesh, and tissues on the bone. Then the activity of the bodies as they begin to move. Finally, there is a waiting for the breath, the very breath of God. Picture this. Ezekiel standing there. Can you picture this moment? All the rattling, all of the movement of all these bones coming together, but no breath. And here now, God says to Ezekiel, as he's watching this whole scene unfold, now declare and speak and call upon the breath. He had seen a remarkable miracle, Ezekiel, right here, but it was not enough. These bones needed the very breath of God to live. Women, we need the breath, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need this. There was a desperate work of the Holy Spirit needed. So Ezekiel calls on the Spirit to all on whom the Word of God had begun to work. God made the humans, if we look back in Genesis, God made humans out of dirt and divine breath. And now here, Ezekiel is prophesying again for breath to come into these dry bones. As he begins to prophesy, guess what happens? They stood up. And in Hebrew, it says that they didn't just stand up. They jumped up. I mean, they were completely, completely 100% unhindered in their passion to stand on their feet. I mean, today, this is what I'm believing for you. As you come through this conference, as you've gone through all the different sessions, as you've allowed God to go deeper and deeper, I am speaking over right now, each of you women, for the breath of God to come over you, that you will be so passionate for him, you're jumping on your feet. When he says, let's go, you're like, all right, here we go. They jump on their feet. The bones are full of activity. They're recreated bodies, fully coming to life. The Holy Spirit is upon them, giving them life. And God is calling you to life. Do you hear, hear the words today? Come alive. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with candy, okay? I probably have enough cavities to show for it nowadays. <laughs> but I love candies. Now, every session, you've had something in your, in your little bag there. So that's kind of fun. So there's something for you. It's a little candy. I want you to take it out. We're going to give some fresh breath into our mouths right now. So there might be some Tic Tacs, fruity Tic Tacs to boot. Yummy yum. Okay, women, grab those Tic Tacs and pour some of those babies in your mouth. Come on. Let's get some fresh breath happening. Woo! I love it. Candies are so yummy. Doesn't that just taste good? Do you feel like fresh in your mouth? Some fresh breath? As we're speaking about breath, I was like, you got to have a candy now. Come on. This is good. Okay, so here in Ezekiel 37, the breath of God causes these bones to live. Now this vision also prophetically is prophesying the ultimate fulfillment of the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to fully dwell within us. What a miracle that is. And this happened when Jesus was raised from the dead, before he ascends to heaven, he tells his followers to wait in the upper room, and he's going to send the helper, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. So the followers wait in the upper room. It's around 10 days after. And then that day came. Can you say that day? That day. The day of Pentecost that we read about in Acts, where the Holy Spirit came to dwell upon us. And I want to read this, because this is the ultimate gift. We're on this side. I mean, Ezekiel's Old Testament, here we are in the New Testament, where the very spirit of God indwells man. 
Listen to this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves. And a tongue rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. This is the heavenly breath of God. The Holy Spirit that fills us. We too are revived. We are revived with the breath and the Holy Spirit indwelling us. This work of reviving is made complete when the breath of God comes on Ezekiel in this vision on the bones and the breath of God as they jump up on their feet, it goes on to say that these bones that are now filled with breath that have jumped to their feet become a mighty, mighty army. Women, God assembles us and he not only gives us breath, well, he aligns us, raises us, gives us breath, he also commissions us. You are commissioned. I want to speak to each of you. You have significance. Do not believe the lie that you are not significant. Do not compare yourself to anyone else. You are needed in the body of Christ. Oh, we need you. You are precious. You are needed. We are sisters and brothers in the body. We all need every body part working together. You are significant. Now those words that you received last night, how many were super impacted by that? Yeah, I mean, wasn't that profound? I know when I got my, my um, necklace in Ottawa, I was just bawling. Mine was enough when I got mine there and I was just bawling. It was exactly the message I'm always having to work against that I'm enough, I'm enough. I don't have to strive. I don't have to attain, I'm enough. And you know what? The enemy will all, you have to contend for the words you receive. And the reason why I'm telling you this now is because there's a significance attached to what you've received. You will have to contend for the words you've received. If you've gotten fearless, you will have to contend to remain fearless with faith. You'll have to. If there's believe, you'll have to contend to believe because doubt will rise like a storm against you. Contend for those words. Don't settle. May you hear this, women, with your whole heart. You are significant for such a time. I want you to know it not only matters, I know we had some of those women stand up at the beginning that were first generation Christians. It matters how you live your life because there are generations following you. It matters how you pursue Jesus. It matters how you are fervent with the breath and the Holy Spirit living on fire for him, jumping up as a commissioned army because there's a generation that's following. And girls, you are significant. We need your generation. There's no junior Holy Spirit. You're not the up and coming church, you are the church. You are the church. You are. And that is so incredible. We need you and we need one another. And when we grab hold of that interdependency with one another, filled with the breath of God, we become like this army. It wasn't just one skeleton that God put together. It was a multitude. It was an army. And it says an exceedingly great army. We are to rise an exceedingly great army dependent on God and interdependent on one another as we move together as an army commissioned by him, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and his authority. Amen. Now this is a strong and courageous and very powerful women um, army, and that's who you are, women. You are a strong, courageous, and powerful army. Watch out, enemy, because we are moving forward. After, I'm, I'm not joking. You're going to notice a difference. I know in the spiritual realm, there's been transformations this week. 
You don't need to settle to go back to what you've believed. You have not one more second you have to live like that. You can live fully, fully walking forward in a new way, transformed, believing what you've received today, receiving this conference, you can fully receive that and walk in it. I want to speak that over you and contend for that. Don't settle for the lies. Women, you are needed and you're a powerful, courageous, strong army. You are. And this is not a girl power message. I'm telling you, this is a spirit of God church message. We need our church to rise and be how God has called us to be, each obeying God and doing what God's asked us to do. It's about obedience and it's about submission to God, walking in humility before him. So this is a revival. This is a revival that Ezekiel is seeing right now as he's watching this whole restoration happen. And I want you to know that this is so powerful because I want, it's reminding us that God's timing and ways are perfect. Because in the scriptures, it goes on in Ezekiel 37 to describe in verse 14 that not only did God raise this army, but he also promised that he was going to plant them in a land. Now this happened somewhere between 573 to 593 BC. I mean, that's a long, long time ago. Okay. This word happened. And God, do you think he forgot his promise for Israel? I mean, we've seen moments through time where Israel regained their land because God promised at the end of the scripture that he would give them their land. He raised them, commissioned them an army and would plant them in their own land. There were times through history that they got their land only to lose it. Get it again, only to lose it. But do you know what happened in May 14th, 1948? What was it? Israel, yes, became its own land, its own state, and its own country. God always keeps his promises. God fulfills his word. And that's what I love about Ezekiel 37. God goes on to tell us how he's going to revive us, bring us to life, give us his Holy Spirit, commission us, and he's going to keep his word. God did not forget from 573 BC. He remembered. His timing is perfect. For some of you, you've been waiting a really long time it may be a dream. It may be a hope. God has not forgot. God has heard your cry. He sees you. He knows you. And he always keeps his word. Always. God causes us to live because we need to make a difference for him. But most importantly, we need to be alive to know him. God, most importantly, we've talked about this. It's not in what we do, but in who we are in him. May you hear that today, that God wants to give you a fresh touch of his spirit. He wants to restore you. He wants to renew you. He wants to breathe fresh life into you because he loves you and he wants you to know him in a deeper way. And then from that overflow, that's where all of our doing happens. And it's remarkable. I believe that God wants to invade this place right now in a fresh way. He wants to bring a fresh touch of his spirit. As we've talked about dry bones coming to life, he wants to bring your dry bones to life. And I think it's really important in these seasons to be able to name it. We've done this today, but I want to kind of wrap this moment up with faith. But I want you to think about your own life. If you were to think about your valley, if you're one of those bones in the valley, what is that? What is that in your life? What is that bone? Can you name it? Is it a dream? Is it a relationship? Is it something you're hoping for? Is it a marriage to be restored? Is it children to come to know God? Is it a purpose that you just feel or a dream that's never come true? 
What is that dry bone in your life? Is it healing? What is it? I want you to give a second just to think, say, Holy Spirit, where is that dry bone in my life? Is it a child? Is it even believing for peace? Perhaps you've had so much fear and anxiety. I mean, coming out of this last couple years, there's a lot of people that are still walking out so much from what's happened. Perhaps your dry bone is, I have so much anxiety. I have so much fear. What is that? Or anger or unforgiveness. We talked about freedom today. And there's a journey in it, but we have to name it. And so today, what is it? What is it for you? God wants to bring fresh life. God wants to take your dry, lifeless bone and bring fresh life into you today for you personally. And it doesn't matter how small it may be or big. It matters all to God because it matters to you. I just feel like I just want to keep telling you today how much God loves you, how significant you are. And I know I keep saying this in this message, how significant. But if you only saw your significance in the eyes of God, boy, how differently we'd live if we could see our eyes through the eyes of God. And that's why we need Him. That's why we have to stay so close to Him. That's why we need a fresh touch of His Spirit so we can operate in our purpose and love with God from the way He takes delight in us. He takes delight in you. And he always said, stand up for your sister. I saw so many that have trouble believing God really loves them. You are loved. There's not one more thing you have to do one more day of your life to be loved by God. He loves you. He loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't when we had it all together that Christ said, perfect, you're the one I'm choosing. No, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and gave us the ultimate gift of salvation. You are meant to live alive. You are meant to live with an awakening in your spirit that there is more to life than just the everyday mundane day because every mundane day with Jesus is an extraordinary day. Every extraordinary day has ordinary in it. It's living extraordinary in the ordinary. It's seeing God at work, seeing life at work in our workplace, in our marriages, in our families, in our friendships, wherever we may be, in our schools, however it may look, God wants to infuse you today with fresh life. Like those bones, He wants to give you a fresh touch today. That was not okay. I want more than what was yesterday. I want a fresh touch today. I want to be present in the presence of God right now. So this is what Ezekiel 37 is showing us. That what God did to those bones, that's just symbolic. God is doing to you right now in this place. Right now. And what He's been doing all conference, this entire conference, He's been bringing us to life. And so I want you to just think for a moment. I'm going to give you a... a I've given you the dry bone, like a moment to think about what that is in your life. And if you were to fill in the blank, to take something really practical, I am believing for to come to life. So I am believing for peace to come to life. Because if you have fear, think of the opposite. I am believing for my marriage to come to life. I am believing for my health to come to life. I'm believing for my children's salvation and for them to come to life. I am believing, just put it in the blank my purpose to come to life, 
take a moment and think about it. What are you believing to come to life? And how are you gonna fill in the blanks? I am believing for blank to come to life. Do you have it? I want you to turn to someone because there's power in saying it out loud. Just take a moment, someone beside you and saying, I am believing for, if you have the courage to share it, I am believing for this to come to life. Turn to your neighbor and why don't you just share what you're believing for. Just take a moment. Amen. Okay, so you know what you're, you've said it. You know what you're believing to come to life. So I'm going to make you do something. <laughs> I love it. This is about responding. Not just listening, but responding. And you guys have been so gracious. Can I just say before, because I know I'm coming to a close and I have the microphone so I get to do this that it has been an absolute honor to be here and I just want to celebrate all that you have done. Irma, it is, Pastor Irma, it's beautiful. Your whole team, worship team, all of you, men, can we just say men, the tech team? All of you. All of you women that are here, all of the volunteers that have served, it has absolutely been extraordinary that you've taken time out of your week, some of you away from your families, and here you are believing for more, for God to touch you in a fresh way. And I just wanna say, God sees that and knows it, and it's been just a beautiful journey to be with you right now in this moment. It's been amazing. So with this, what we're gonna do is, I'm gonna read the portion of Ezekiel 37. And as I read it, it's a bit of a dramatic reading, so don't be alarmed. There's going to be some sound effects. It's okay. Don't be. Nothing's happening. Nothing's cracking or falling. But there's going to be a moment in it where I'm going to say, women, get ready. Because when I tell you to stand on your feet, you are going to believe that that dry bone today, you're going to stand in faith believing it. That when you jump to your feet, it's you saying, I am believing that this dry bone, I'm activating with faith and I'm standing believing that this will come alive. So when I get to that moment, I'll say, women, you ready? And before I say the mighty army, you guys are gonna stand on your feet. Every single dry bone in here is coming to life. Every single dry bone. That's what we're speaking. We're believing. Amen. That's what we're gonna believe. So I'm gonna read this scripture in Ezekiel 37. And I'll give you the prompt when it's time, okay? So this is ready. Ready? Are you ready with me? You with me? Okay, because we're not done. We're not done. All right. So here we go in production. You guys are amazing. So Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? And O oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. 
And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and I will cover you with skin and I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. And suddenly, I love the suddenlies of God. As I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley and the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, O son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies that they may live again. The message as he commanded. Okay, women, are you ready? And breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life and stood up on their feet. An extremely great army. We are prophesying to this. Life, life, life. Woo! Thank you, women.